0: You're listening to the Heart and Hustle Podcast. We are your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. Have you been wanting to start hiring people onto your team, but you are lost as where to start? Or you are in the job market right now looking for a successful, sustainable, fulfilling career, but also feeling lost as where to start? Eh, Well, we have a treat for you today. Today, we get to talk to the incredible Deanne Turner, As an author and speaker, Deanne is the former vice president of talent for Chick-fil-A, where she helped shape the company's historically remarkable culture. With over 35 years of experience, she has unparalleled insight and experience in talent acquisition, career and leadership development, and organizational culture. She has written three books full of information about creating remarkable company cultures, winning the hearts of customers, how to build a business that makes good decisions and lasts, and in her third and most recent book, crush your career, Deanne talks about how to ace the interview, land the job, and launch your future, basically taking all of her experience in talent acquisition and management and giving you all of the information so that you can crush your career. Deanne is clearly incredible and is now using all of her experience to mentor and lead organizations and people on how to be extraordinary. So, If you are a business owner, you will walk away from this episode understanding how to build a remarkable company culture, how to find and develop extraordinary people on your team, how to interview people well, to find those people, and so much more. Now, if you're in the job market and looking to build a successful and fulfilling career, you'll walk away with a deeper understanding of how to find a company with a mission you align with, how to interview well, and what your interviewers are likely looking for. Seriously, this conversation is pure gold, and we could have talked to Deanne for hours. So without further ado, it is my pleasure—do you get that? Get that joke? Okay, never mind—to introduce you to Deanne Turner. You're listening to The Heart and Hustle Podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, to photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay.
1: And welcome to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are so honored to have you. So excited for this conversation.
2: Oh, it is my pleasure to be here. I've been looking forward to it. So thanks for having me.
1: I have just a real quick question. Did Chick-fil-A brand you forever to say my pleasure?
2: Uh, (laughs) That's not a short. You said it's a quick answer, but it's not (laughs) a short one. You know, I did that. Did come about while working at Chick Fil A because that's the language that we chose to represent our hospitality. And but it it does become part of your language. But it's a really sincere part because once I learned that it really is our pleasure to serve others. um, When I say that, I say it with all sincerity, just like most people that you meet from Chick Fil A. So uh, I certainly picked up their my. My good Southern mom taught me to say you're welcome when somebody says thank you. But uh, when I worked for Truett Cathy, he really liked the sound of it's my pleasure or my pleasure instead of you're welcome. So I I I made the change.
1: (laughs) Well, that's maybe cluing people in a little bit to your story before we've even got into it. So I guess to intro you to the show, could you please tell us about yourself and how you got to where you are today? We want just the whole story.
2: Wow. That's quite a story. Well, let me, let me see if I can tell it uh, quickly for you. Uh, (laughs) It it started out, I guess you have to start out like, what did you want to do when you grew up? Well, I wanted to be a writer from the time I was eight years old. It was, it was my dream. Now you are way too young and so is your audience. So I'm not going to tell you what motivated me, but, but there was a, a TV show that was on when I was little, and and I watched that, and it just really motivated me to be a writer. And um, as I was growing up, um, I did I wrote poems, and I even wrote when I was thirteen, I wrote a book for a, an unpublished novel for at a class in school and then I was editor-in-chief of my high school newspaper and I I wrote actually wrote song lyrics for a band I did all kinds of things writing and I went off to study journalism well like a lot of young people today who are leaving college when I left it was in the middle of a recession Mm. and economic times were really bad and jobs were scarce and journalism really was not going to be a great way for me to make a living at that time And even though I really wanted to be a writer, I didn't know enough. I didn't have enough life experience that anybody would really truly be interested in what I had to to say at the time. So I ended up going the advertising route, trying to find a way to use those journalism skills. I worked a short time in the advertising field and decided that I really didn't like the cutthroat environment of the firm and I wanted to get on the client side of things. So I started looking for jobs in advertising, and a very long story short, I ended up applying for a job at Chick-fil-A. Well, as it turns out, um, they turned me down immediately for the first time I applied. I applied again, and they turned me down again. And the second time, I was really intrigued. I was like, wait a minute, you know, who are these people that keeps turning me down? And so I became very persistent. And finally, through some circumstances and um, I tell the, I won't go into it because I, I tell the story in both of my books and I uh, yeah, uh, bet, I uh, bet on talent and crush your career. I tell a little bit about the story about how a flat tire changed my life, but through some circumstances, I got connected in to a job at Ch- about a job opening at Chick-fil-A in advertising. And they had me come in and interview and I interviewed and I interviewed, I interviewed for months and finally, oh. in the, almost at the final interview. The vice president of human resources says, you're probably going to get this job offer in advertising, but I have a job in human resources. Would you be interested? Now, I just want to pause there with you for a moment because we have moments like this that when they're happening, we have absolutely no idea what their long-term impact is going to be. So when you have those questions pop up, it's just a good idea to go, "Hmm, is this one of those moments that's going to change my life forever? And this was, and I went home, and in all my naivete, I said, You know what? I think I'm going to take that job. I'm going to work in human resources for a couple of years, and then I'm going to know where the jobs are, and I'm going back to marketing, and that's where I'll spend my career. Well, 18 months into that job, the man who hired me resigned, and I worked directly for him as his assistant. And so he was gone, and the company was trying to figure out what to do with me. Like, well, <sighs> he's gone. So, And they weren't a company, you know, in some companies you would get laid off. It's like, well, your boss doesn't work here anymore. But that didn't happen to me, thankfully. And they kept looking for what I was going to do next. Well, I didn't get real caught up in, in what they were doing. I didn't worry a whole lot about it because my former boss had taught, taught me a lot. And I was really involved in creating something the company needed. And they didn't have any systems really for selecting their they're what they called at the time, corporate staff. They call it the support center now, but corporate staff, they didn't have any systems. So there were resumes floating all over the place. People didn't get responded to. They, were, they just had a lot of issues on that. And they got a lot of negative letters written to our founder, Truett Cathy, about how they weren't being treated well. So well, I was working on fixing that problem while they were trying to figure out what to do with me. <laughs> and finally, I mean, this is months along, they realized she's doing something we need her to do. Let's just have her keep doing it. Wow. And so they promoted me. And that really began in earnest my career in, in, in human resources. About two years into it, I thought that I had abandoned my calling, which was to write. But then I realized that my calling was to help other people find their calling. And so I began to really um, do something. I mean, for the next 30 years, I did something that I love to do every single day. And that was really um, finding and keeping extraordinary talent for Chick fil A, whether it was corporate staff or their franchisees. And so um, that was. Obviously, um, the work that I loved, it led to my finally 30 years. In fact, it was my 30-year anniversary at Chick-fil-A when my first book, It's My Pleasure, released. Now, before all your readers go out looking for that, that book is not in print anymore except to pay hundreds of dollars for it on Amazon. And you don't need to do that because all of the content is in my other book, Bet on Talent. So just thought I'd throw that in there because people start going to look for that book. But anyway, (laughs) um, so... It, it, uh I, I released that day, it was my 30th anniversary, and I started a brand new role at Chick-fil-A. I had been asked to, to launch and lead the social responsibility and sustainability function for Chick-fil-A. So I moved into that role, and that was a great opportunity for me to learn how to lead a function of something I didn't know a whole lot about. So mm-hmm. your audience, I don't want them to cancel me when I say this, okay, because I did learn But when I started, I was in that job, I was not even a very good recycler. I'm embarrassed to say. I had a lot to learn about sustainability. Mm -hmm. And I did learn it and I did become a very good recycler. Thank you. But I just, (laughs) but at first I needed a lot of help. And I had, and what I learned in that job is that you don't have to be the expert, you just have to be a good leader. You have to Mm -hmm. cast a vision, you have to um, be sure that people understand their roles help them set goals, hold them accountable to that, give them feedback, celebrate with them when they achieve them. And you let them be the experts. And that was really different because in talent, I'd done just about every job in my department at some time. So I knew how to do those things almost too much so because I probably kept others from really expressing their unique individuality around it because I knew so much about the role. Well, I had Uh to trust my new team because I knew so so little about it. So I always call that my greatest leadership development opportunity ever. And then finally, in 2018, Chick-fil-A offered a a group of long-term tenured people the opportunity to take a voluntary early retirement. And I was um, very much on the younger end of that and didn't expect that I would make that decision. But I had a book contract from Baker Books to write two more books. So life had come full circle. And mm-hmm. I actually had the opportunity to go and do that very thing I wanted to do from the time I was eight years old. So I decided yeah. to make the leap and dive in and to say I, I was fearful, even having had some career success, I, you know, to, to dive into that, I was really fearful. Um, but I overcame it and jumped in. And um, I, I was already speaking about 50 times a year. So I continued that business and wrote the uh, two more books, Bet on Talent and Crush Your Career that just released last week. And I'm living the life I dreamed of. So that took longer than I expected, but that's the story.
0: Oh my gosh. (laughs) What a cool story, Dan. That I literally could, I feel, listen to you tell your story and share and talk forever. And in that story, I think you just dropped like 20 podcast episodes or 20 books <laughs> worth of little nuggets like little pieces of information that I was just like oh my gosh whoa that let's talk about oh my gosh like there was so much in that but the first and like one of the biggest things that just stuck out to me and that was the fact that when Chick-fil-A like your your former boss like beginning with the company had like resigned or retired and and left and you were kind of sitting there and Chick-fil-A was trying to figure out what to do with you. You weren't like just waiting, twiddling your thumbs to figure out what your new role was going to be. You were stepping up to the plate and working your butt off, which then led Chick-fil-A to realize, oh, she's doing something we need. Let's put her in this position. Like you took active work there. You didn't just sit back and wait for an opportunity to be given to you or like it directed on what to do. You were just doing it like that was mind boggling hearing you say that I think that's such a powerful like life and career lesson
2: well it's easier for me to look back and see that and it's a lesson that I share a lot with younger people when they're asking me about you know what career should I pursue and one of the things I always say is find a problem to solve for the world What does the world need that you can do? And therein, you have a job, a new business, whatever it is, if you can solve a problem.
1: Mm -hmm. That's such good advice. Well,
0: Deanne, the other thing that like, I feel like there were so many in there, but I just want to throw out, I just received so much from just hearing you being willing to pivot when the opportunity to go into human resources versus marketing was presented to you. And the ability for you to, to, let go of a th- a dream that you thought was supposed to be happening in that exact time and i think that's something that a lot of us could learn from too on it, life sometimes has plot twists and sometimes what we think is going to happen in a certain timing or whatnot like new opportunities are opened all around us but if we're so dead set laser focused on this one thing sometimes we miss the other opportunities. So I don't know, that was just, I got so encouraged by so much of your story that I know was like, not necessarily the point of the story, but I just, I feel like you have so much within that that I was just like gleaning little pieces of tidbit information from.
2: (laughs) Well, as I talk about that, I I encourage people, you know, just just hold it loosely and be Mm -hmm. willing to respond to what comes along, not in a un- intentional way where you you know yeah. you just bounce and bounce and bounce but but be willing to open up the idea of there might be something else for me and be mm-hmm. willing to explore that more.
0: I love that. So good. Oh, okay, well, you talked a little bit about your career within Chick-fil-A, but you were the former vice president of talent, is that correct?
2: Right. Uh-huh.
0: Okay, do you, would you be willing to like explain a little bit of what that role is and what that looked like within the company and what you did and kind of give us a foundation for, I guess, the rest of the conversation about like the right people and career growth and all of that. Sure. So uh, the
2: role, a lot of people used to know this role by as, as human resources, that that was what it was called. But somewhere along the way, I decided that I really didn't like that term human resources. Other people called it People that what they called the function people. You know, um, I like the idea of talent because at Chick Fil A, that's what we had, and that's what I believe they still do have: is talent, talent, uh, extraordinary talent at all levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly beginning with exceptional team members, and then uh, the franchisees themselves, and then the support staff in Atlanta that supports them. So. That was what that that meant and why we called it talent, because they weren't just people and they certainly weren't just an asset like human resources, which sounds a little, you know, mm-hmm. institutional and, and stale. <laughs> so they were talent. And so in that role, in a growth company like Chick-fil-A, the number one role was selecting the talent. Uh, we were growing. When I went to Chick-fil-A, we were at $175 million in sales and uh about 150 restaurants and when i left that role we were at 10 billion dollars in sales and about 2000 restaurants so wow tremendous growth during that time and so they so literally interviewed tens of thousands of candidates and selected thousands of people during that time And that was a big part of the role. But then it grew because when I first started, that was really all human resources did at Chick-fil-A was selection. But then there were a lot of other needs, you know, when you start scaling a company like that. And so it began to include other things, not just talent acquisition, but also uh, talent development and Mm. talent management and, you know, things like performance management, learning and development and culture and engagement, diversity and inclusion, and uh, all of those functions uh, for the organization. So it was a it was a huge uh, growth opportunity to go from you know where it started and where it ended up. And even I mean even since I left that role, their growth has just been absolutely tremendous.
1: Mm. Well, I feel like that's just something about that I'm so excited to talk with you about is. I feel like when people think of Chick-fil-A, they think of excellent service. Mm -hmm. Like every time I even go through the drive-thru, like even down to the customer experience, which like it has to start with hiring excellent people, but like the drive-thru experience of like how they, I don't even know how they do it, but just (laughs) when you think, think, Yeah, the logistics. But when people think of Chick-fil-A, they think of just like really quality service. Like they expect the my pleasure. Like they expect good quality food like, very fast, which is incredible. Me and my husband always joke, like, we don't eat fast food, but we eat Chick-fil-A. It's, like, it's not fast food. <laughs> um,
2: but we tell ourselves we, that in our family, too.
1: <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> um, but being that, like, the president or vice president of talent, like, when you're doing the things... The, to hire the, the people, like you're almost creating, you're helping create that culture in the company. And because Chick-fil-A is so well known for having like a really just wholesome, I don't even know if wholesome is the word, maybe remarkable is honestly probably mm-hmm. a better word, but like remarkable culture. I guess my next question would be like, what would you say are three things that create like that remarkable culture within a company?
2: Oh, you teed that up perfectly, because that's exactly how I talk about it, is a remarkable culture.
1: Perfect.
2: And I think, there, yeah, and I think there are three things that help an organization be remarkable. Now, you know, a lot of times people think about culture and they think about the you know, the warm, squishy things that happen in your organization, right? And it's, you know, it's the company outings, and it's, you know, those types of things. But Mm -hmm. really, those are just behaviors that flow out of everything else. The heart of the culture is simply this. First of all, organizations with a remarkable culture, number one, they have a meaningful purpose. They have something Mm -hmm. that is their very why for existing. And by the way, the Purpose usually never, ever changes. Once an organization decides this is why we're in business, this is why we exist, it almost always stays the same. This is the thing that people can look towards, and it's like true north. It's our purpose. Secondly, um, once you have a purpose, and especially if you've selected extraordinary talent, then you need that, that talent needs a compelling mission. I mean, something really big to work towards. Um, and so, uh, you know, a big goal, something, you know, we used to call them B- B-Hacks, big, hairy, audacious goal to work towards and achieve together. So it's the mission. And the mission uh, will change because once you accomplish a mission, you need to set a new mission as an organization to drive towards. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing that I think remarkable cultures have Are demonstrated core values. Now, core values are the beliefs that you hold most dear, the things that determine um, how you make decisions and what the behaviors are within the organization. But you'll notice that I call them demonstrated core values. In fact, I never say the word core values without putting demonstrated because a lot of organizations think, oh, you just come together and you decide these. These nice words that describe who you are as an organization, and you put them up on the wall, or you put them on a screensaver, um, or you have all these digital ways you present them, and there you have your values. Well, they won't mean a single thing if people don't demonstrate them, and it has to start at the very top of the organization and be demonstrated all throughout the organization for them to stick and to be repeated by other people. Mm -hmm. When you put all those three ingredients together, this uh, meaningful purpose and a compelling mission and demonstrate core values, then you've created a remarkable culture. Now, by the way, you said something a moment ago. You said something about hiring people. Well, I never hired people. I selected talent. And I think there's a big difference in that. And I really try to share this with others because – there's a huge difference. Hiring people is all about quantity. Do I have enough? You know, you think about in the restaurant environment, do I have enough people to cover this shift? Do I have enough in the drive-through, enough in the back of the house? Do I have enough? But when you think about selecting talent, that's totally different. Selecting talent is about about the quality. Do I have the right people with the right skills and the right roles doing the right things to win the hearts of my customers. That's what you're trying to do. And so anyway, I just, that was a bonus, but I wanted to throw that in.
1: (laughs) I love that distinction though, because you're so right. Like, and I think just even hearing you talk, everything that you're saying is just so indicative of a really remarkable company that has like that. I don't even know how to like, that just like leads with what, their mission or you said like demonstrated core values it's like they have yeah. those core values but they're actually demonstrating it so that way it trickles down to every single person and it's yeah. like when everyone is on the same page going towards the same thing and the right people are in the right seats like they're all working for the better good of the company and that company's going to thrive
2: yeah absolutely
0: i love that well with that dn like creating uh you know that culture within that company it maybe like zoning in a tiny bit on the work environment or the the company's missions or you know the big hairy audacious goals or or whatever the how do you kind of create and cultivate that type of work environment maybe down on like a more like micro level, like at the the Chick-fil-A locations, or, you know, if you're, let's zone in and say, we're talking to small business owners right now who are maybe considering hiring one or two employees. Like, how do you allow the, that talent, those people to have buy-in to the company's mission so that they're, you know, better employees, they understand the bigger picture, they know the core values, like that type of thing, kind of getting into the nitty gritty of how to create from those three keys of like the BHAGs, the, the mission and the demonstrated core values, like do you have practical like steps or tangible takeaways that our audience can, can walk away with on how to begin to implement that?
2: Yes. And I think this advice I'm about to give you is also for those people who go, I don't work in an organization like that. What can I do about it? Well, mm-hmm. you can start where you are. And so you yeah. can use these same steps. Uh, but if I'm beginning to lead, a team, or a new business, or I'm looking at my culture and saying, this is not working, then the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to, I won't buy, the way I'm going to get buy-in is I'm going to include everybody in the decision-making, and I'm going to bring them in, and we're going to spend time figuring out what is our why? Why are we here? Mm-hmm. Why, why do we exist? What is the big why that every day would get you out of bed, excited to do your role, for the difference it's going to make, not just in this organization, but what value does it have to the world? Because mm-hmm. we know, especially millennials and Gen Z, that's what they're looking for. They're looking to make an impact on something bigger than themselves. So if you want to attract them to to your mar- into both your marketplace and into your business, you're going to have to have a really strong why. And, mm-hmm. you, and they've got to be bought in. So make them part of the conversation. Um, and then secondly, you know, Get agreement on what big goal are we going to to try to accomplish together. I mean, how in the world can they work towards a goal that they didn't help create? So, so bringing them into that is really important. And then, you know, again, the conversation is still now. Let's talk about these core values. And by the way, I don't think core values are just a, a set of words. For a lot of organizations, it is, but I think it's more of a clearly stated action. I love a couple of Chick Fil A's. One of them is. Um, we're here to serve. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's their number one core value, and and you see it demonstrated in every single level of the organization in so many different ways. In fact, people just sort of—I mean, it's not intentional; it's just the way they're wired. But they almost, um, you know, work to outserve one another, wow. and so you see it demonstrated. They have another one called "We Pursue What's Next," which is their nod to innovation. Wow, and if you think that's not important, think about what just happened with COVID. And Mm -hmm. so when that happened and all the restaurants were shut down except for delivery or drive-through and all these organizations were having to figure out how to do that, with no knowledge of COVID coming at all, Chick-fil-A had already figured that out. They Mm -hmm. had already had the number one mobile app. They had already figured out how to um, do uh, use iPads to take orders and do this amazing drive-through service mm. that so many people have experienced because they pursue what's next. They were always mm. already looking ahead to what might be needed. They didn't necessarily know the why, but they knew that something would be needed in the future to speed up service or, or provide better service, and they were ready for it. So you want to engage people into um, helping you develop those core values. And so what do you do with a new employee? All right, I've already done all these. They don't get to be part of developing it because we have it in place and now they're coming into the organization. Well, hopefully if you've done your job right, you have selected people that match your culture. Mm -hmm. And so it's no big surprise when they get there to find out what your purpose, mission, and core values are. You've already talked about that in the interviewing process. You've looked for uh, in the interviewing process, you've looked at their background and you've asked behavioral interviewing style questions that have have uncovered what their personal purpose is, what their mission is, what their core values are, and they've told you how they mesh with the organization's culture. Mm-hmm. And, and it's no big surprise. But then once they get there, you have to be very intentional about teaching them how these things are lived out day to day.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm, I love that. Well, and I'm thinking of even like, for a small business owner who is not Chick-fil-A, and they're like, mm-hmm. looking at or listening to this conversation, loving it, but also being like, I am a solopreneur. I am nowhere near a, like a billion dollar company. Mm-hmm. I need to just hire an assistant. And like, I think even at that micro level, what you're saying is so relevant. Like, it's not mm-hmm. just for these huge companies of like having core values and and having buy in and teaching them and hiring people that match that vision i feel like you, even if you're just a solopreneur like a florist doing wedding bouquets mm-hmm. and you need to hire an assistant what is your mission in your business what is your yeah. and like what is your core value how do you want your couples that you're serving at their wedding to feel and like hiring based on that um, so Deanne, I just love everything that you're saying. And I think it's so applicable just all across the board. Um, and it's so inspiring too. Yeah.
2: Well, before you, don't abandon this idea about what to learn from Chick-fil-A, even as a small business owner. So let me explain something. Chick-fil-A is made up of 2,500 small business owners. They're all independent franchisees. Yeah. And so they, they do this themselves in their small business. They don't, they don't naturally, they don't, um, there's a corporate purpose for Chick-fil-A and a mission that everyone's working towards. And there's a corporate set of core values. But it's highly likely that in every single one of those 2,000 small businesses, they've replicated that model themselves. Mm-hmm. And they may have a little bit of a different purpose within their business and a different mission that they're achieving and a different set of core values for sure. So mm-hmm. I just, I, I wanted to, you know, that, that's a good example of small businesses. They're doing exactly what I described too.
1: Yes, that's so helpful too. All right, entrepreneurs, let's face it, you're in a pickle. You're not attracting your ideal clients because your brand visuals are just meh at best and you're not showing up as the professional ready to make their life 500 times better. Do you honestly feel like your website just sucks? Like your branding feels like you created it in Microsoft's Paint? Anyone else remember Microsoft's Paint? Is that just me? (laughs) Okay, and your, your client experience just overall feels like it's seriously lacking and you just need a change right now. But let's be honest, you're not ready to drop 8K on a custom web and brand design. Well, don't worry. That's where we come in.
0: Introducing the solution to all of your website struggles, the Heart Shop website templates. Now we spent hours designing these customizable, professional, and conversion intense website templates with our incredible designer, Sarah Crook of Elizabeth Designs. They are so incredibly easy to use and customize with ShowIt's user-friendly interface. Yes, by the way, you can easily learn how to work with ShowIt, even if you've never touched a website or any design platform before, and you can change literally anything you want. No more being limited to squares on your website. It's a drag and drop system that is freaking easy and looks incredible. Oh, oh, you want more information? Cool, I got you. The templates come already SEO optimized with copy prompts from Lindsay and I included. Yeah, you don't just get nonsensical filler text. You get bomb education and prompts from Lindsay and I to help you wow your potential clients and crush your website copy. And we designed a variety of these in different styles so you can find the closest match and then tweak it to make it fully
1: your own. If you're ready to save thousands of dollars and hours upon hours upon hours of your time and get clients flooding through your website, you need to check these out. So grab yours at theheartuniversity.com forward slash website dash templates. One more time, that's theheartuniversity.com forward slash website dash templates. Hey photographers, this one's for you. Real talk, have you ever felt like your photos just look stale? Like they lacked the oomph that you're looking for? Ever feel like you're not just like fully capturing the life and energy and story of your clients, but you just don't know how to fix it? Well, we've got some magic sauce for you, my friend. Meet your new best friend, The Posing Miner, our online course for photographers showing you how to capture those jaw-dropping, authentic photos of your clients that will leave them in tears because you capture them in the moment so perfectly.
0: Yes, it is packed full with six course episodes, over 232 minutes of video content, and three bonus PDFs. Lindsay and I take you out into the field with us. Like, no, literally, we <laughs> we go into some fields and we walk you through step-by-step step how to pose families, couples, portraits or seniors, wedding parties, and a wedding couple. So if you are ready to say bye-bye to brain farts in the middle of your photo sessions, awkward silences, and weird freaking prom poses, uncomfortable clients, and subpar images, the posing minor is your new best friend. To see more and to join in on the magic, go to theheartuniversity.com forward slash posing dash minor. One more time, theheartuniversity.com forward slash posing dash minor.
1: Well, and also, you kind of mentioned this when you in your answer before about the hiring process, which kind of led perfectly to like the next question that I had for you, which if you are a small business owner and you're preparing to hire an employee or even an independent contractor, basically you're preparing to have interviews to hire someone for something, what are the most important things to look for in that person?
2: Well, you've got to start with, you know what your culture and your role is and the team this person is going to be a part of and define all those things. But I generally, there's some things that when I'm selecting talent, I look for these patterns of things. So, For me, if somebody's going to work in my business, I want them to have a heart for service Mm -hmm. because if you own a business, you're serving somebody, you're serving the customer or you're serving somebody who directly serves the customer, you're serving each other in the business. So I just find that people with a servant's heart and uh, and and some people will say, oh, doesn't everybody have that? No, everybody doesn't. You know, some people don't have that spirit whatsoever, but I look for that. The other Mm -hmm. thing I'm looking for is track record of decision making, because regardless of what it was, whether it was about college or it was about previous jobs, volunteer activities, all those things, I'm looking at what kind of decisions that people make? Uh, Why did they decide to do things? Um, If if they had performance issues, what did they do about them? So take college, for example, because I'm sure you have a lot of recent college people that that listen to your mm-hmm. uh, podcast. And so think about that. I mean, not everybody performed at their best level. Well, mm-hmm. that's just part of growing up in some ways. What I'm interested in is what somebody learned from something and the decisions they made to correct course. So when somebody comes in and says, you know, uh, and you know, people talk about GPAs being important and all that. And for some jobs it really is, but most of the time it's like, okay, So you weren't an A student in college. What did you learn from that? What did you do differently? Was there a point in college when you realized I'm not doing my very best and I need to do something different? So I think understanding, you know, you can have some things you look for, but then you have to understand what's really behind it. And decision making is big for me. Somebody makes good personal decisions for their life. I'm expecting they'll make good decisions for my business as well. So Mm -hmm. I really look for that track record of decision making. Mm. Um and then I'm looking for uh people who um are forward thinking because that's where everything is is in the future. So while they can describe to me what they've done in the past, I want to know what their vision is for the future and their plan of getting there, whether it's their own future or how they see the role that they're interviewing for or what their opinion is of my company and yeah. um, how we might envision the future. But I'm looking for people who Um, are interested in seeing and shaping the future.
0: Oh, I love that. Do you, when interviewing, follow like a a guideline of ask these questions and then, you know, do you pay attention to the questions they ask you at the end of the interview? Or is it more of just kind of based on them and the position they're applying for and their, you know, their resume or whatever, you just kind of go with the flow. I'm just curious of like, Is it better, especially for the small business owners listening to this right now, to have kind of a structure that they should go off of when looking to find someone who fits all that criteria, who makes good decisions, who, you know, is forward thinking, who would align with their company's values? Like, how can they actively find that out when interviewing somebody, especially if they're new to interviewing people for a position?
2: I'm so glad you asked these questions because I, I, not only do I have an answer for you, I actually have a free tool. And we haven't oh, discussed yay. this before the podcast. <laughs> um, But so I'm going to answer the question and then be sure I tell you what the free tool is for your audience because I think it'll be super helpful. Okay. So um, yes, have a plan for interviewing for a couple of reasons. One is you need a plan because you've got to get the information you need to make a good decision. Secondly, without a plan, you're more likely to get yourself into some legal issues interviewing. So you don't want to go into interviews without a plan because you might wander all over the place. And the next thing you know, you've wandered into something that is going to cause you some issues. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I have a framework for asking behavioral-based interviewing questions. So for your audience that might not be familiar with what a behavioral-based interviewing question is, I'm looking for evidence from the past that helps me predict the future performance of this person. So mm. I'm not going, I'm going to ask the kinds of questions that they have to answer with an example or a story. So I'll say, tell me about a time when you led a project and it didn't go so well. And yeah. once they tell me about that, the other skill I'm going to employ is I'm going to go three questions deep on that because they're going to tell me it didn't go well. So what did you learn from that? That's the second question, right? Right. Yeah. And then the third question is, so if they didn't answer what you do differently now, it's what did your, what feedback did your supervisor give you and how did you respond to it? So that's an example. All of a sudden, yeah. I haven't just asked an interview question that gives me a one sentence answer. I know a lot about this individual in just yeah. that one question. And mm-hmm. you repeat that about 10 times in an interview and you have a lot of information to make a great decision. Now my framework is simply this: it's the I'm um, I'm going to ask questions about culture. If the if the individual um, character, well, excuse me, I'm going to ask about character. If the individual's character matches the culture of the organization, I'm going to be looking for that. I'm going to want to understand about their personal purpose, mission, and values in that discussion.
0: Mm-hmm. Secondly,
2: I'm going to be looking at their competency. Does the competency match the role? And not just the role they're interviewing for, but because I'm trying to build my leadership bench, do they have competencies to grow into roles I'm going to have in the future? Yeah. And so I'm looking for competency that matches the role. And the third thing is I'm looking for chemistry that matches the team. Now, that doesn't mean everybody comes together, holds hands and sings kumbaya. (laughs) We're not looking for people. I mean, that's great if people get along. It's a lot more fun if you get along. But here's the most important thing that happens with good chemistry in an organization. You select people that can come into a team and can bring their diverse point of view, collaborate well with that team, collaborate so well that they influence everybody else on that team. That's great chemistry. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask questions in those three areas. I'm going to ask behavioral based questions. So here's the free tool. If you go to my website, dnturner.com, D E E A N N, turner.com, there is a download, and I don't think you can miss it because it's posted several times on the website, of my 25 top behavioral interviewing questions. And they're aimed at just about anybody in a service or hospitality, everything from obviously hospitality workers that you naturally think of, but also. You know, anything in customer service, bank tellers. I mean, you could go through a whole list of um, very adaptable to just about any um, area that people are selecting. They're very generalized, so not specific to roles, but general questions around character, competency, and chemistry. That tool mm. will help your audience if they want to go there and download it.
1: Ah. Uh. Deanne, this is the juice. Yes. This was, this was what we needed. Thank you. <laughs> in advance for everyone that's going to download that, like I can't wait to download that mm-hmm. and it's that in my business. I know a lot of other people will too. So thank yes. you for giving us that freebie.
2: Well, sure. I just, I'm glad, I'm glad it came up because we I, had not discussed it, but that'll, that'll be super helpful to you. No, that
0: wasn't part of the plan, but I was just like, okay, let's figure this out. And it worked out perfectly. It was delightful. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. I think just a quick follow-up question before kind of like diving into the last couple of questions. Do you follow your gut when you're interviewing or do you have kind of like, do you stick to like, this person seems to be lining up with, you know, the character, the the competency. What was the third one that I'm missing?
2: Uh, chemistry.
0: Okay. Character, competency, and chemistry. Like, do you stick to those kind of like, you know, indicators and check boxes. And once they've checked the boxes, they're good to go. Or have you ever had situations where, you know, people check all the right boxes, but your gut is saying like, not the right person for the right position. And do you follow that? Do you tend to just stick to your, your guidelines? Like what's, what's your experience there?
2: Well, there is definitely room for your gut. What there's not room for is to only um, go with your gut. And a lot of times, people they pride themselves on making great, you know, I just, I just make a gut decision. Well, you can afford to do that if you don't mind high turnover and the costs that come with it. But Mm -hmm. the method that I'm describing for you helps reduce that likelihood that you'll have that turnover and it will save you a lot of trouble and expense Mm -hmm. along the way. And I have to admit when I started, um, when I started this role and uh, I, you know, I thought, I'm pretty good at this interviewing thing. I get information <laughs> on people. They tell me all kinds of things. And I, after a while, I was like, you know, I pretty much know when they step off the elevator if we're going to select them or not. Well, that was a really arrogant position for me to take in my youth. <laughs> wow. And I soon learned that that wasn't the case at all, that I could be making a huge mistake. And for me, one of my big responsibilities at Chick-fil-A was selecting franchisees. And We couldn't afford to make many mistakes there because too many lives were impacted by a mistake. If I made a mistake about the character of a franchisee and your child worked there, that has a lot of detrimental consequences, right? So I took that responsibility very seriously. And that's where a lot of these ideas around this behavioral interviewing and going three questions deep came from because it gave me a framework. And you know what? Sometimes it was fun. It's like, okay, Dan, what's your gut? My gut is I don't think I'm going to select this person. And then I sit down and I go through my behavioral interviewing format. And I really have the discussion. And I listen to their stories. I listen to their examples. And then I realize I was wrong. This is Mm. a great candidate. And the opposite happens sometimes, too. Oh, yeah, this is a slam dunk. We're going to select this person. And then I did my due diligence I was like, no, I was way off on that one. So yeah. I'm not, I think your gut can help you. And it, it's like, a, you probably won't remember um, the, the TV show um, that this came from, but, you know, there was the same danger, Will Robinson, danger. I think you should pay <laughs> attention when that happens yeah. um, and, and say, whoa, this is not the right person, But but I would not isolate any selection decision based on your gut, positive or negative.
1: Yeah, mm. it like works in tandem with those behavioral questions. Right, yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay, well, this is a switching gears a little bit to more, well, I feel like we've been talking about like company culture and like hiring mm. and like all of that, which is amazing. Uh, but this, one of the final questions that we have for you is more from like your own career perspective, like as somebody who's like trying to climb the ladder of success, whether it's an entrepreneur or someone who's working in corporate or whatever. for. Anybody who has experienced any level of success in, in their business or career life, what advice would you give them for scaling their business or their career to the next level while not letting the ego from past successes get in the way? Like, have you ever dealt with that even yourself?
2: Well, you know, as an author, it's easy to do, you know, you write a bestseller and you think, okay, you know, it just works that way. Um, you know, and so, you don't, if you want to write another one, you don't, for most people, maybe if you're JK Rowling or somebody like that, (laughs) you can kind of sit back and go, okay. Um, but for most of us, anything we do, you know, the world is changing and growing so fast and you have to keep up with it. So if you're scaling, you can't, you can't rest on your past successes or you Mm -hmm. won't be around very long. And, you know, we can name examples of big businesses that have done that, that aren't with us anymore, right? Yeah. So as an individual who's trying to scale their business, um, and especially, you know, if you're a small business owner, I mean, I am, and a lot of people listening are, and we just, I mean, I work harder. I I work, I feel like I worked pretty hard in my, in my corporate career days because that was tough work, but trying to keep your own business going is, is certainly (laughs) some of the hardest work that I've ever done. Mm -hmm. And so we can't, we can't rest on our past laurels and and victories, but instead yeah. a, a great, a person who's really scaling is always looking to the future. What's next? What's for next thing? Mm-hmm. Um, because if we ever start looking back to what we've accomplished, we're pretty much on our way to being gone right then.
1: Mm. Oh, that's so good. Oh, that's
0: really good. I love that. I think that also kind of ties into like forward thinking and it, by, by looking at our past and thinking, oh, because I did this in the past and was successful or because, you know, I've done well in the past, therefore I'm going to do well in the future. Like it it almost has us split visioned between looking back at our past to, you know, be like, oh, we did great. It stops us from thinking, you know, innovatively for the future and taking risks. And, you know, I've been, oh gosh, I forget the book I'm listening to, or I was listening to, Um, but it was all about how Oh, it's called Mindset. Super good. Oh, One yeah, of the best yeah, books. great
2: book. Yes, yes, absolutely. Love that
0: book. But that, I think like looking back at our past successes and being like, it almost puts us into uh, the mindset of like the fixed mindset where we think, <laughs> oh, I don't want to take a big risk because now people have seen me <laughs> succeed. If people see me fail, it'll ruin my reputation. Like, I think there's so much that goes into that of you can look at what you've learned in the past and then carry it into the future. But if you're resting on your past successes or letting your ego get in the way, it's gonna be closing doors left and right, like moving forward.
2: Yes, exactly. And you, um, I love that you mentioned mindset because it's one of my favorite books of all time. And, me too. <laughs> um, you do have to you do have to have that mindset. In fact, yeah. Carol Dweck. Uh, it, it's funny that you mentioned it, and I'm glad because you are a younger person than me that that's one of, that you've liked it so much because I recommend that. I have mm-hmm. a, a recommended resources of books and podcasts in my new book Crush Your Career, and I actually mentioned mindset. So, yeah, you you have to um, keep that forward thinking uh, look. And if you rest on your laurels, you're pretty much on your way to being done.
0: Yep. Mm -hmm. Dan, this has been such a fun conversation. I feel like we could just keep talking to you for hours and, like, for literally so long, start
1: going into, like,
0: well, what about this avenue? What about this? Like, I feel like we could just continue this conversation forever. But for the listener who has just been, like wanting to know more and more from you, what would you say to this person from your like career and your journey has been the biggest lesson that you've learned in business that you want to pass on to them?
2: There are so many p- pieces of advice I could I could give that I've learned, especially from others along the way. I think, and of course, I you asked me a question, you never get just one answer out of me, but I think of my mentor, Jimmy Collins, who really was not just my mentor, but he was my sponsor and champion at Chick-fil-A as well. And Jimmy taught me some amazing things that I never forgot. For instance, he taught me, it's kindness to refuse immediately what you eventually intend to deny. And I've used that in every part of my life. It's kindness to refuse immediately what you eventually intend to deny. He taught me something else, that humility does not mean to think less of yourself, but it's to not think of yourself at all. And that probably leads me to my advice, which is this, you know, when you leave this earth, you're gone. And we think about, you know, you hear all the time, oh, you can't take it with you. And we think about possessions and material things and money and things like that and things like that. But you can't take it with you, any of it, including the knowledge that you have, the information that you have that can help another person. Mm-hmm. And one of the things as an author that I have been truly, truly blessed is a few people, you know, when you're an author, you really need the help of other people's platform. Mm-hmm. And I've had a few people, Jordan Rainer, I don't know if you're familiar with Jordan, but your audience needs to be following him. He's amazing. Um, another leader, Carrie Newhoff, and, um, and and a lot of other people too. I, I could name a whole list, uh, Jenny Catron, those all come, but people who are willing to say, Yeah, I'll send out an email about your new book to my mailing list. Mm -hmm. I'll invite you on my podcast. I'll post something on social media for you. Um, It's their way of giving it away. They have this abundance mentality that there's enough for everybody. And that's what I want to encourage you. That's that's what's really important. When you think about what am I going to leave behind, it's not so much your money or your material wealth, but it's what did you invest with your time and talent into other people? Don't leave here holding on to any of it. Give it away.
1: Ugh. Well, that's (laughs) the best. That's one of the best answers to that. We always ask that question to every single guest. Deanne, that was that was poetry. Like it really. Um. Like that was so good. And I think so many people need to hear that because so many people out there are sitting on talent and gifts that God has given them. That and they're too afraid to like start a business or go after that dream job because they don't think they're qualified or they don't think they're enough while yet they're sitting on incredible talent and I think that's just like such a beautiful permission that you just gave Mm -hmm. them it's like don't end your life like not having given it your all
2: yeah yeah exactly (sighs) exactly I go for it, it, and then get, and then you know, help others. That yes. was the other thing Jimmy also taught me. Um, I'm sorry, let's try that again in case you want the sound clip. Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick fil A, taught me something. He he, it wasn't his quote, but he said it often. He said, "If you help enough people get enough of what they want, you'll eventually get what you want." Yeah. And I think take it one step further is, and when you get what you want, go back. And hold your hand out to pull somebody else along, yeah. um, so that they can achieve their dreams. Because you have, you know, you, you have nothing to lose by doing that,
0: and they have mm-hmm. everything to gain.
1: Mm. So good. Well, oh. just
0: mic drop moment, dear. Deanne,
1: <laughs> oh, oh, Deanne you've so been. Good a gem yes. to talk to. Like, this has been such a fun interview. You just spewed so much wisdom, like mm-hmm. practical, but also like just like mindset wisdom, mindset wisdom, like yeah. uh, all over the place. So for anybody that didn't know you before listening to this show and now wants to go to read your book, go check you out, go follow you online, where can they find you and buy your books and all of that? Okay,
2: so com D-E-E-A-N-N-Turner.com. Uh, go there and um, you can email me through that. You can also follow me. I love to connect on LinkedIn as a professional platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also am a, I have a Facebook author page. So that's Deanne Turner author on Instagram and Twitter at Deanne Turner. And then brand new book out, Crush Your Career, Ace the Interview, Land the Job, and Launch Your Future. That's available everywhere, um, as is the previous book, Bet on Talent which is um, how to create a remarkable culture that wins the hearts of customers. And I, these two books go hand in hand. Let me explain. Bet on Talent teaches leaders how to find and keep extraordinary talent. Crush Your Career teaches talent how to be extraordinary. So mm. um, both of those volumes kind of work hand in hand, and I hope they'll be helpful to all of your listeners.
1: Ah, oh, I
0: love it. I love it. I'm ready to go, like, get both of them right now. They've kind of been on my list, but after talking to you, I'm like, okay, top of list. (laughs) So thank you, Deanne, so much for giving us your time and your knowledge today. And we just loved this conversation so much.
2: Absolutely. It, again, has been my complete pleasure. Thanks for having me.